Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. All right, all right, all right, all right. Listeners in Horror Vanguard land, the new theme park where you can enjoy terrifying movies about internet ghosts. I am your co-ghost, Ash, joined as always by... I've got to be honest, this is maybe one of the weirder introductions you've done. <laughs> I, was, I, didn't, I don't really know what I did just there, but... I, I hope someone in the world found something useful or positive out of that. <laughs> I also always love that you get me to tell say my own name, even though. Oh, do you want me to start introducing you? I can just introduce. I can just. This is the one, the only John, aka the Litkrit guy, the man who needs no introduction, let alone needs to say his own name. I'm just like we've done this for a while. Do you think people are, are surprised that it's still us every week? Because there's a bit of me that hopes that's the case. I mean, you know, this, I'm sure there's a new listener here or there that, li- that jumps in and they're like, oh, who are these? Who are these two wonderful, delightful ghosts? Hey, everybody. Hey, hey everyone. It's John. And <laughs> very excited. Very excited to be here. I, I am too, because today we're talking about a legendary director who I will not be making any jokes about other directors who share their name. Yes, we are talking about maybe... Um, you know, we we like to talk about we like to talk about horror film and all of its complexity and all of its all of its shades of meaning. But one thing that we've been very clear on on this show is that there are very few really good horror movies about the internet. Mm-hmm. There are lots of really bad ones um, that were that were called like murderdeath.com. <laughs> and it's like a it's like a haunted dial-up connection. Um, but this is one of the good ones. This is this is a horror movie that's in a very select club. Um, so I think I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited to get to get Ash, my dear friend, to tell to tell me and to tell you and everyone else listening what is Pulse from 2001 all about. As Pulse slowly unravels over its nearly two-hour runtime, I thought more and more of how our relationship with the dead alive became so disconnected. The fear of ghosts isn't so much about the loss and absence as it is about the fear of contact. It's our fear of being close. Pulse is as much in dialogue with digitized alienation, the reducing of meat space to an appendage of the digital, as it is about the inherently reactionary state of this disconnection. In his book, In Praise of Love, Alan Badiou writes, At the most minimal level, people in love put their trust in difference rather than being suspicious of it. Reactionaries are always suspicious of difference in the name of identity. That is their general philosophical starting point. What does it mean for our world that the return of once-loved souls is met with shock and terror? That these revenants have such frightening physicality serves as a reminder that first, the digital is always physical, and second, the minimal con- that minimal connection is a necessary precursor to greater bonds. In the same work, Badiou said that the real subject of love is the becoming of a couple. 
not the satisfaction of individuals as separate parts of that couple. He went on to describe love as a state of minimal communism. Being, literally, in touch is necessary for change on the level of a chemical reaction. Love is like ghosts, and to again reference Badiou, love isn't a possibility so much as it is an overcoming of that which is, from its onset, impossible. Romance and the dead are natural paramours, both being overcomings of the real. Love is an event, an encounter. It does not enter into the mundane order of things, it ruptures it. It's ephemeral yet deeply physical, ecstatic yet powerfully dangerous. And this danger is not just to ourself and to our egos, but to a world designed to restrain, confine, and isolate the constituent parts of love. Love appears as the apparition, sudden, shocking, as if a revelation from a dream. Matt Cahoon wrote in the introduction for Mark Fisher's Ghosts of My Life that empty shells, the haunted houses, the spectral figures, and the madness of the present are not things to smother and sweep away, but other worlds breaking through. Do not be afraid. Dear listener, do not be afraid. These might be revenants, specters, and hauntings, but they are our spirits. In, the, in this rupture, there exist traces of a possibility in our crashed presence. We are ghosts, your ghosts, ephemeral, digitized, and separated by an incalculable sea of wires, but we are here. Do not be afraid. Join us as we discuss Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse. Yes, yes, yes. Boom, 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 boom. And I think, I think the first thing I want to say before we even get into the formalism zone is go listen to Weird Signals episode on Pulse. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Banger and, of a discussion. Shout out, and shout out to Weird Signal. Um, an incredible, incredible series of conversations that more people really should listen to. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. Weird, Weird Signal, Bodies Without Organs. Like, there's a whole host of, of podcasts that I just can't recommend enough. With that, with that said, shall we uh, upload ourselves into the formalism zone mainframe cybercore? Uh, I think we have to. I think we have to. So I'm going to get loaded onto this uh, three and a half inch floppy disk. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then in about si- six weeks time, when the upload is complete, we'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to download line by line like an image in, in like 2001. Um, where, where would you like to start then with the formal qualities of uh, Kurosawa's Pulse? I, I really love kind of everything about the formal construction of this this film i just think it's brilliantly put together it's got it's got two parallel narratives that unfold that that are just clever and restrained and well executed i I like legitimately just just don't have anything bad to say about this film i have i have nothing but good interrogative critical theorized points this is this is one of those fantastic movies there's something there's something really beautiful about how it's shot as well with its kind of very deliberately chosen color palette mm-hmm. um a lot of the there's there's a kind of super interesting structural narrative choice being made here as well in that a lot of our main characters are kept very very separate yeah uh, and often don't even really appear on screen together or they appear in like a single scene where one kind of like passes the other so thematically what this film is about is then reinforced by both it's the formal elements of like everything 
of the the mise-en-scene, everything within the frame, and the way in which the frame is constructed itself. Absolutely. The, the, the film is on a structural level, on an aesthetic level, and I think on a thematic level, deeply compartmentalized. And and uh, that that really does reflect the state, especially of early internet, like the the way in which the early internet formed, and how how the the walled gardens of different internet service providers existed. Like there's a there's a there's an approach to connectivity that I think also radiates into this moment. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll we'll upload ourselves into that discussion later. I think it has a super interesting relationship to technology too. I mean, it's made right on the right on the cusp of this sh- sort of shift from the physical to the digitized. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that like you had to have a phone line, you have to like computers used to be like these used to be have a kind of like physical presence to them. Mm-hmm. They feel uh, the computers in this almost feel mechanical, yeah. rather than like technological. Right? They are it's much more immediately evident that you're dealing with a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, that's a super interesting thing to try and watch now when increasingly technology and the ways in which we kind of interact with film itself have become these, this kind of like hyper mediated process through which the film almost vanishes into this kind of digital ether, right? It becomes indistinguishable from the streams of other content that just exist out there. Um, and I think, yeah, Pulse is a super interesting example of like, what does it mean to emphasize something that you always talk about, which is like the physicality of both technology yep. and cinema? Ab- absolutely, right? Like, th- th- there's a whole extended sequence, several sequences actually in this film where we're in, a, we're in an early aughts computer science lab. And, and there are just different banks of computers and machines and wires everywhere and wires coming out of the ceiling it's it's industrial it's present it, it has this kind of incalculable weight whereas like if you wanted to depict something like that nowadays you would have like a holographic screen and there'd be there'd be no it would be a nearly empty room with maybe half of a chair and, and everything else would be this projected digitized presence that has no no physical nexus no root back into the earth yeah and and this all comes out in the sound design as well like the the Again, the, these these tech these, this technology sounds mechanical. Um, there's there's such such kind of presence, and it this the the presence kind of paradoxically underscores the 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 weird interstitial phase of technological development that we were in in the early two thousands, which were was when it was kind of caught between this sort of like cyberpunk theorizing of the techno-libertarian utopians of the Californian 90s Mm -hmm. and the increasingly decentralized, uh, globalized flows of financial capital and technology that emerged from, you know, the lost decade in in Japan, right? Where the technology companies burst and they had to kind of reconstruct themselves. So it's not only on a kind of structural or formal level, but as a kind of um, as a kind of like um, bit of cultural history, there's a lot going on here. I I, I couldn't agree more. Would you want to then? Uh, hang, hang on, I have to I have to reconnect my dial-up modem. I will not play the sound effect in post-production, but you can listen in your heart if you if you think hard enough. Uh, shall we dial ourselves up into the discourse zone? Indeed, let's do it. Be do be do. 
There it is. Hashtag only only real millennial Gen X boomers know this sound. 90s kids, Kool-Aid man, internet dial-up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're, we are the podcasting equivalent of boomers. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's because we, we boom into your ears once a week with wonderful cinematic takes that you can find more of on patreon.com forward slash horror vanguard. Uh, signing up on our Patreon page gives you early access to our episodes, select bonus content, access to the Horror Vanguard Discord, and... Once we once we reach four hundred thousand Patreon subscribers, I will send you all a dial-up modem. There you go. So uh, let's get the, get those numbers up, and you'll get your free HV modem at four hundred thousand unique subscribers. Okay, well, uh, you, you've committed us to that now. That is on file. <laughs> um, this this feels like one of those meme challenges where somebody DMs like a big brand and goes, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. you know, they'll they'll DM like KFC and be like, oh, how many retweets for free nuggets for life?'" <laughs> uh, so four hundred four hundred thousand, and everyone gets a dial-up modem. Bring it. That's all. I, that's all I got to say about that one. It, uh, I cannot guarantee that it will be haunted, but I will try my hardest to get you a haunted dial-up modem. I mean, the only I think that's entirely reasonable. Come on. So speaking of haunted modems, let's let's talk about technology and the role and function of the internet. Absolutely. I mean this this is a ghost story about the internet. So where would you like to start? Well, so we know that the moon is haunted through rigorous scientific discourse, but is the internet haunted, John? I mean, yes, inarguably. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 dig into that then. What does it mean for the internet to be a haunted thing, a haunted space? I actually think the internet is full of ruins as well. It's full of it's full of digital ruins. Yep. Um, so so much of the very first generation of the mass adopted internet was something that was were things that people hand hand coded as it were. Right. People would learn some basic HTML or basic XML, and they would they would put together their own little uh, their own little websites, like very simple mm-hmm. text pages, uh, and eventually th- those things. Uh, were abandoned. They're no longer updated, and lo- lots of them now are not not even accessible. And I was thinking about this in the context of uh, Mark Fisher's work, and so so much of Fisher's work was uh, put out uh, in the context of his blog K Punk, and really the work itself only makes sense in the context of the blog network within which yep. K Punk existed, right? So it only made sense because it could mention commenters who would comment on each piece or people who would link or write responses or people that Mark would respond to. And a lot of those things are now just kind of like dead links or gone or have decayed through server rot or people moving on. And so there are, the internet is full of ruins. And I have a, I have a theory, which is that like web 3.0, like the metaverse is essentially an attempt to wipe away the history of the internet and to dehistoricize it mm-hmm. and to make it to make those ruins finally inaccessible. Yeah. I, I think that's that, that's 100% correct. Like the the express stated goal of web3 is to obliterate any potential of having a history online, a history that in any event isn't at least entirely gated by yeah, I, I, 
Because if you can do that, what you basically manage to do is to turn every kind of interaction into a financial transaction. Yep. Truly. What about you? Do you think the, do you think the do you think the internet is haunted? I mean it has to be. It's it's a it's a surface and a space that that interacts with the human. It's something we've built and defined and trod on and live within. It it would be impossible for it to not be be burdened with our dead, both on a, a literal level and on kind of a cultural and political level, right? Like so 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 much lives and dies on the internet even blogs social media presences careers hopes dreams opportunities romances like like this is this is an astounding field of human potential which means it's an astounding field of human loss and death and severance and i don't think and i think because expressly because that there there really are no commons on the internet you, you know like to twitter twitter can just snap you out of existence if they're so deemed oh yeah not 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 anymore not anymore yeah, right? the, yeah. the idea of the, the internet as being kind of the internet is is extremely monolithic and uh, increasingly immensely tightly controlled um and so it's in a way it's sort of quite quite kind of charmingly retro to come across the internet as it's presented here in the early 2000s right yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that this this speaks to kind of the shifting presence of death here. You, you know, like, there's a lot going on in terms of, like, where these hauntings are localized in the film, right? Because Because we see these ghosts emerging in places that we don't typically associate with the dead, right? When we think of hauntings and ghosts, we think of, like, the estately Victorian manor, people's homes in the suburbs, right? We don't think of office spaces and apartments and boats you know because these are these are places in motion these are places in transit and over the last three decades the, the internet has kind of lost all potential to be a, a stable place it is now a place in transit permanent transit you know so so the thought of an internet ghost becomes much more difficult but also laden with so much more potential in terms of what that can represent and how that can kind of spook us out of where we are this is what i think that pulse understands that a lot of those other like techno horrors of like the two of like 99 to like 2005 just don't get at all mm-hmm. because a lot of them presented the 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 internet as this like externality that was coming into your kind of real world right mm-hmm. um they're like oh no if you die on the internet you die in real life <laughs> mm-hmm. um but like what pulse understands is actually the relationship is kind of almost completely reversed the truth of it right yeah. the point is not there is an outside coming in it's that we are trying to get out of ourselves yep and that that false binary that that was set up between online and the quote unquote real world doesn't exist. Not doesn't exist at all. And in fact, um, that destabilization of that boundary makes pulse so much more frightening because it isn't like there's an externality over there that you can just kind of turn off or you can destroy the hard drive with an axe or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's 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 about a spectral ontology. It's about understanding. Humanity is essentially constantly haunted by the ghost of its own possible becomings. Absolutely. And like the, the, the kind of formulae of these ghosts, right? Like I think it, because Pulse also has an American remake, naturally. Um, and the, the American Pulse remake 
So, so Pulse is an incredibly understated movie. Kurosawa's Pulse. It's very subtle. It's very slow. It's very deliberate as a film, right? This, this is, these are deeply personal hauntings, right? These are attempts at connection. You know, the, the, these ghosts aren't trying to, to, to grab you and rip you open and drag your soul to hell. They're, they're trying to touch again. The ghosts in the American Pulse are like, you know, a thousand spoopy hands busting through a computer monitor trying to smack you. And like, it's it's so, it's it's one less satisfying and two, it, it, you know, kind of like reifies internet mythology, right? Reifies the internet as as something outside of ourselves that's trying to get back inside of us, right? Something that we need to keep outside of ourselves, right? It's This isn't the way people talk about social media, right? I need to keep it out of my life when it's when it's actually a thing that's already emanating from inside of us. You know, the social stems from the human first and foremost. Yeah, because because really the whole point is like everyone goes, oh, oh, the Internet has kind of like caused this social alienation. It's like, no, it no, hasn't. No, not, not at all. Like maybe maybe the, the like it depends really how you want to read this, because you can go you could kind of you could kind of like pin the causative thing on like oh, well, it's capitalism itself. And you go, yeah, okay, maybe that's part of it. But actually, maybe there's an even kind of deeper point to this, which is like subjectification inherently involves a kind of like cutting off, Yeah. right? Self, self divides from the other, right? You don't, you're no longer kind of like uh, attached to the other person. You become a subject. And that's that's a sort of very kind of basic uh, and very deep-seated kind of pain that's almost inescapable inescapable about the very fact of being human right to to be an i is not is is to not be you or they or another or part of that kind of mass right to 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 be a kind of subject is inherently to kind of be haunted by the things that you've lost and what we've lost is is this kind of like idealized a never never even real possibility of genuine non-alienated being mm-hmm. yeah and i think in terms of how, how the internet has shifted to in between pulses release and today i think one of the one of the most striking changes is in this movie they're trying to run away from the internet towards the end when the, when the ghost apocalypse starts they're, they're trying to find spaces that have yet to be infected and the, the the idea of being free from online, like like separating ourselves from this technology, right? Like, is so you know we 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 live in a moment where like everything is this interwoven series of of internet based services, and I think like like this is this is something I was going to bring up later, but like one one of the things about Pulse that I think is great to think about and reflect on in our current moment is how Pulse balances meat space and digital space right right how it how it positions the 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 physical world and physical architectures against and with digital ones and and pulse you know we 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 talked about this a bit but pulse is very much like the internet's a machine this machine connects with wires it's a it's a piece of technology no different than any other piece of technology and and in our current world like how, how much how much of the world in which we live only exists to service the digital you know, like, like, like how much, how much has withered and died for, for the sake of, and again, not internet, the internet as a company, not the internet as a particular modality of communications technology, 
but the internet as a, a vehicle for capitalistic expansion, right? Expanding into this new digital space. Like we see, we see this with the metaverse, you know, they're like, Oh, take a metaverse vacation buy metaverse land buy fake metaverse currency buy metaverse clothes for your metaverse apartment. You know, like, like the, the, the expansion is now in these ephemeral things, you know, you're not even, you're not even buying space in a server farm. You're buying like uh, nothing, There's a I, there's a there's a line in uh, Bo Burnham's special uh, Inside, which I really like, where he talks about the idea of the the real world is in essence a kind of rehearsal space for the much more kind of real and appealing digital world, right? So you go outside not because you want to actually connect with someone, but because you might find the chance to have something that you can turn into content. Right, the the the, the yep. physical world, yep. the physical world is is dangerous and is socially kind of terrifying, but is a rehearsal space in which you can kind of practice and prepare for the much more real, much more kind of exciting digital world. Um, and I think that's that's the key shift that's happened. Right, there it isn't that there is this that there is no longer a divide. It's that it's about the perception of where true value lies. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, <clears throat> not, not, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to do what I always do. Like, like there's a psychogeographical element to this, right? But because, you know, like you, you talk with people who are roughly our age or younger, right? And you're going to be talking with people who, who, depending on their relationship to technology, where they grew up in the world and their economic access, like I learned how to, how to, how to like typewrite on an t- actual typewriter because I just didn't have access to a computer until a few years later when the school district shifted and I got moved to a school with a lot more money. Um, but like, generally speaking, like we grew up with the internet inside of us, right? Like, like connected to us and connected to our, to our memories. And so when we talk about these like depopulated online cities or these games that no longer exist, or they've been so fundamentally changed that they functionally don't exist. These places where people spent time, digital worlds that people walked around right this is like psycho cyber geography right and i think it's important to put the psycho element first to kind of segregate it from the cyber geography because that you're you're absolutely right like this has overtaken and overrun the the physical world like the bone burnham special is so pertinent right you know the the physical world is second you know we are second now like you, we don't matter so much as our digital presence, you know, and web web three is a horrifying vision of this, right? The idea of like a soul token that that's like a Supreme credit score that follows you everywhere you go and judges every action you make. So people can see your worthiness on some kind of blockchain backed currency item. Just, just the most devilishly monstrous visions of a possible human future. Wherein like, like, you know, if, there's there's that saying right where like if you use something online and it's free you're actually the product um but nowhere is that going to be more true than in the nightmare visions of web3 yeah financialized ontology what if your very being could be something that you could stake um and it is it's incredibly horrifying and i think the thing about pulse is it in in some ways it does feel eerily prophetic precisely because it's willing to acknowledge the fact that um, in, in lots of ways, I think this is a film about depression. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
right? It's a film about it's a film about serious social isolation and it's social isolation that is not chosen, but or is not kind of completely self chosen, but is about the kind of socio politics of like how is how is a given social group or social social totality organized, um, and it's like. This is, this, I mean, this has long been something that's been talked about in Japanese culture, right? Uh, people who have kind of like remo- almost removed themselves from the social sphere. You know, they don't go out, they don't have uh, uh, many friends or family. It makes them um, uh, deeply socially lonely, but they find kind of a kind of refuge in a technologized, digitized world. Yeah, yeah. So, so how how do we how do we read Pulse through through this? How do we, how do we use Pulse as kind of like its its own like ontology for depression, for loneliness, for connecting in an age that bills itself as being a, a piece of supreme connection? Because I think that that's so. In, if I can start the conversation, like Pulse starts on a boat. And oh, oh, ghouls of the audience! Yes, somebody, somebody, sound the logistics klaxon. Yeah, I, I hear a foghorn in the distance already. <laughs> when the, when this movie opens up, and I just see, I just see us starting on a boat. I'm like, oh baby, here we go! Like punch, I mean, punch the ticket. It, I mean, it ends there yep. as well, right? And there's 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 a super interesting paradox about boats. <laughs> <laughs> Which which are that they're hyper isolated, but also incredibly socially intimate. Often, very you have to be. Yeah. You have to be right if you if you're gonna su- to survive, you have to be very very socially intimate with these people that you're on a boat with. Um, you can't you can't you literally can't get off. Um, but at the same time, you are cut off from the wider world. Right? There's mm-hmm. this is this is the paradox of human connection. Right? Which is that it's this. The film holds it up as almost this kind of like universal category, this global category. But at the same time, it's such a subjective experience. What What about you? What do you think? Oh, I, I think this is, this is super super interesting, right? Because the, so the internet is is a communications technology on its surface, right? It's a way for people to talk faster, and in in a lot of ways, and it's also a way to facilitate sales. It's a way to facilitate commerce and markets. Boats have a similar function. You know, they're, they're a way for humans to facilitate our own interconnectedness. And, and I think you're absolutely right to kind of like look at the isolation of, of sea, seagoing vessels that are simultaneously almost necessarily create hyper intimacy between the people stuck on that boat and sever them from, from the greater world, right? Being out at sea is very much being stuck on the boat and who you're with on a very literal sense. And I think the internet overlays onto this in interesting ways because you you hear people talk about the internet as if it's still this space of infinite potential. And and also that includes these infinite points of exit. You, you know, because older, older generations who aren't familiar with the internet and its nuances and the absolute vital role it plays in our lives today because they've built a world wherein if you're not online, you don't exist. Like, you, you know, like, we'll also then turn around and say, well, I'll just log off. Just go outside, like outside to what? The place now where trucks can't see children that are like closer than 13 feet away, like the the place with wildfires and choking miasmas and deadly pandemics. Like, is this the outside we're supposed to go frolic in? 
Yes, and and the further point is that there isn't a division, right? There yep. isn't a, like the the social isolation, the the kind of like uh, fear and anxiety that can be generated by this mass communication tool are directly tied to all of those kind of quote unquote real world conditions you just mentioned. And and the thing is, like, if you're not online at all, right? If you don't have a social media presence, if you if you I don't know how you would do this th- these days, but don't have email. You, you know, like if you are truly not online at all, you are still online. You just don't know you're online. You know, like your your purchasers are still being tracked. You know, you're, you're still adding up to the sea of aggregate data. Your presence is still a factor in these digitized spaces. There, there's no exit. We're post privacy. We're we're, we're post digital. Like like there's no way out of this thing. We're totally in, interwoven with it. You know, like we, we in so far as I would say, it's only possible to pretend to not be online or to to affect logging off. But the true logging off is on a well, societal scale. Well, well the, the tr- I mean, what what does Pulse present as the answer here? Mm. Right. When you encounter what's happened in the quote unquote in the forbidden room. Yep. Right. What does it mean to log off? Uh, I'm I'm speaking euphemistically here because you know. I, we want to keep the conversation somewhat light, but mm-hmm. like there's there is a lot of to- there. This is also a film about suicide, yeah. right? What what does it mean? What is it, if if the technology is bound up within ourselves so intimately? What does it really mean to say log off? You mm-hmm. know how how do you get out? That's is it? Isn't that the question? So many of these characters are kind of motivated by how do you how do you get out? How do you get away? Uh, and the answer is almost almost inevitably that lots of the characters in the film are drawn towards super self-destruction. Yeah. Um, and like, again, weirdly, this is a thing, and quite sadly, this is a thing this film has been very kind of prescient about and predicted the ways in which social alienation, the uh, uh, along with the com- increasing integration of the digital into the social, along with the increasing commodification of the self into the digital can result in this. And again, this is not to, this is not to discount things like um, individual biochemistry and the, the, the medicalization of mental health issues, but simply to point out that like social and political conditions are important and true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, like mental health, especially I think should not be depoliticized. no, Absolutely not. Like depoliticized mental health automatically transforms it into the mental health of current social, economic, and political hegemonies. Right? To to not have a politically active and politically aggressive approach to health more broadly is is simply to recreate capitalistic approaches to mental health, which are only like, like the capitalistic approach to mental health is not about healing. It's about productivity. Like ca- 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 capitalistic mental health does not care how you feel, what you want, if you're growing as a person, if that even means anything to you. It just cares if you can get your ass back to work. You know, it'll be dressed up in nicer terms. It might offer some tangential healing along the way, but this is no spiritual salve. And, and I think that is incredibly vital especially when we look at the context of what it means to be connected because the internet is a vehicle for human connectivity you, you know and in 
and in moments of great despair, we might wish to withdraw ourselves from that accord, but you can't. Even if you leave, parts of you still stay with other people. It just disperses the suffering amongst others. You know, like we, we either collectively come together to lift these weights and cast off these shackles, or we continue to effectively get drowned out in a sea of wires and signals. I think this brings us up to uh, a comparison that I saw you put in the notes that would be worth talking about. <laughs> Off the back of that, that's what we... Ch- okay, let's go. Well, I mean, you're talking about connection. You're talking we, about... We are. <laughs> we're talking about human connection. So to that end, you may, you may, you make an interesting comparison between two films which are roughly, uh, you know, coming out in the same kind of historical period. Um. Let's 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 draw out this comparison. The the problems of connection. Should we talk about you've got mail? So we, we need to talk about what, what I think is safe to say the the twin film for Kurosawa's pulse. You've got mail. The inverse, the the shadow side. So so if pulse is some kind of holistic and integrated individual, uh Nora Ephron's You've Got Mail is its shadow. You know, like this, this is that which is forbidden and unacknowledged and terrifying because both of these films kind of, as I was watching Pulse, I kind of realized that You've Got Mail is a movie we talked about um, a few years ago when we, when we did like a joking series of mini episodes about the potential spinoff shows we joke about having. We did an episode of Rom Communism on You've Got Mail. Uh, do let us know if you would be interested in having us bring rom-communism back for another go. Oh, I watched enough rom-coms to make that entirely possible. <laughs> but like, I, I realize that both of these films are having incredibly similar conversations. Uh, they just take two different paths. And I would say that both Pulse and you have, you have Mail, You've Got Mail, make predictions about our future relationship with the internet, not just as technology, but as kind of a new facet of human life. Right? Like... They're, they're both looking at things in, in different directions. But what I think is really interesting is that Pulse Pulse sees the train coming, right? Like Pulse, Pulse kind of knows that the internet tied to the, the hyperproductive mechanics of capitalism is going to usher in an era of, of isolation and kind of exploded individual psyches, exploded in, in the kind of theoretic sense there where the inside is just blasted to the outside. Whereas you've got mail, admittedly, the, the film, it's a fascist movie. It's pro-fascist, right? You've got mail is standing on the side of the tracks watching the rest of us about to be hit, going, it won't be so bad because we'll consolidate to larger shareholders. Like, like the hero of you've got mail is Amazon.com, eventually becoming an arm of the DOD. Like, but does that really matter? Because sometimes you might meet a quirky boyfriend and sure, he he buys out the company you've worked your life for and destroys your future and your dreams, but you've got mail and it's wonderful. And and I think that the the movie about the, the, the kind of dispersed nightmarish tragedy that is suicide, the ghosts that we can't touch, but just a drop of compassion could save so much wailing and screaming and pain is ultimately something that's more hopeful towards a future, a forward gaze of our future than the, the movie about two bookstore owners falling in love to, to the backdrop of people dating Mussolini. 
I couldn't agree more. And it's 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 I it's hopeful precisely because Pulse does what you've got mail is completely incapable incapable of doing, which acknowledges the extent to which history is now technologically mediated. Right. Uh, really, Pulse is a kind of classic Gothic story, right? Which is like, like the dead do not rest quietly in their graves. They want to. They will make their presence felt. They will reemerge into the physical world because we, we as those who will soon be them, have to yep. acknowledge our own connections to them. Right. That's a. It's a classic. That's a very classic Gothic story. And simply because we have technology, technology is about the kind of ever advancement of the. Of the of the of the present into the future, but really the the past is feeding into the present as well, right? The, there's a kind of dialectical relationship between those three things, and by having a relationship with history itself, you open the question of not just the onrushing future of technological mediation, but the potential of a better future. Yeah, right. What what does it what does it mean to actually understand our own closeness with the dead? What it means is, is potentially, if we allow it, is that we don't just think about um, our, our forward-facing responsibilities, but we think about the ones that are responsibility for those who have suffered and died and never got to see the potential better world that could come into being. Pulse, pulse in so many ways, and you're absolutely right here, is about the, unre- the unredeemed dead. Right. Like one of the things that, that keeps me up at night, one of the things that legitimately is like rattling for me is, is that how, how many people have, have just lived and died toiling in obscurity and pain and isolation. So, so some boss could get another yacht or a vacation home or a better stock option. Right. How many human lives have just been just ground into grist for this thing? You, you know, like. There's so much that is like lost and consumed and subsumed into that. And Pulse is a forced confrontation with that. It reminds us that like human, the internet has kind of always existed in a certain sense, right? On a very basic level, the use of technology to facilitate human interconnectedness, right? That's, you know, language, language is that language is a technology that we yeah. use to facilitate interconnectedness and the, absolutely our, our dead and our ghosts are always alive in that. And you've got male well, posits a world wherein they don't exist. Yeah, this is, I mean, weirdly, this is the point Walter Benjamin makes, right? Oh, hell yeah. Benjamin, Benjamin says that like, you have a responsibility, not just towards a revolutionary future, but you have a responsibility to the as yet unfulfilled dreams of the dead. Mm-hmm. Right, because if their enemies win, the dead themselves won't even be safe. Right, the the only way that you can you can you can fan the spark of a potential revolutionary f- future into a flame is by taking on the responsibility that's been handed down to you. Yep. Right, and we can try and we can try and push away our ghosts, but actually, the more technology integrates itself into our social life, the more we have to confront the fact that. Uh, we are surrounded. We we move through ghosts. We are outnumbered by them. We have to find a way of relating to them. And I, I find this super interesting because a lot of like cyberpunk was about sort of abolishing history for the potentials of a new future. But really technology, I think, has to bring us back to the question of our own past. Oh, 100%. Like, like without question, th- that is entirely correct. 
and 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 this is because like there there's like a, a kind of like a potentiality for time travel here in a very real way right like the linearity of time it, this it's the line but it's the the kind of line in the sand between chronos and kairos right like strict linear mathematical time and experiential time it, it, experiential time is non-linear experiential time flows backwards and forwards right we're constantly renegotiating our own relationship with our past you know on, on a on a scientific and mathematical level the events of our past are certainly settled but on an experiential level they change and we change with them and that includes so much of our relationship with literal and proverbial ghosts um, but I think uh, th this kind of takes us to, to one of the things that I found to be really interesting in the movie. And that's kind of our final final girl, our survivor of the ghost computer ghost apocalypse, uh, Michi, right? Uh, so in, in the end, our, our, so basically what's happening through the course of this movie is that it wasn't the internet that, that brought ghosts into our world. Ghosts have always been looking for a way to come back in. They've just needed a door. Right, they've needed a, they've needed a technological opening, and we finally made one for them we, with this with, with these machines, right? And once that door is open, there's no closing it. So you, there, there was never a wire to cut. You know, once they once they got through, they're through. And there's a sense of permanence there that I think really speaks to post privacy, right? Like the information is out. You, you know, like the, the, these things do not go back into the bottle, right? Like like this thing is unleashed. Now we have new questions to to ask ourselves. But what I find to be really interesting is that she, she, so the ghosts throughout this movie don't want to kill people, right? Because the problem in, in kind of the metaphysics of the world of Pulse is that there are too many ghosts. Uh, the, the afterlife has overfilled. It's exceeded its storage capacity for ghosts. And now the ghosts are flooding backwards from whence they came. And so the ghosts, they're not, they're not trying to kill us. They're, they're trying to enrobe us in our sorrow and isolation. So we just become the dead alive we become non-extant we do not die we do not live we, we just kind of cease in, in a, in a me mechanistic kind of way right the ghosts are hacking the, the the kind of spiritual progression of life and death as they re-enter the world but M michi finds a way to escape this in, in a way in, and she does the one thing the one thing that, that is kind of needed of her and that's, she connects with the ghost, the ghost that's haunting her, right? <clears throat> she, she winds up referring to the ghost as, as her friend in, in the end. And, it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, get her. Like, these ghosts get everybody who try to run away or who try to escape. She does something incredibly difficult, incredibly brave, incredibly challenging. And that's, that's to, to reintegrate, you know, the, these things that we think are othered from ourselves, yeah, and because to do so means to give up the idea of your own centrality to to temporal experience, right? We don't like to think of the present as fleeting. Yeah. We don't li like, you know, we like to think of ourselves as like, oh, we'll go on forever. But like the future is the future is this kind of like still to be made teeming void of potentialities. Um and history is this like still to be completely understood network of like occluded darkness and mystery and and strange uh incompatibilities and so it it not only does it take a lot of bravery i think it takes a lot of humility to be able to look at uh the past and to go and to to acknowledge 
our own finitude, to look it full in the face and to, to, to look at it not with revulsion or with anger, but to, with compassion, to take it into ourselves, right? To fully internalize our own finitude and, and, yeah. fr- fragil- and fragility. And despite all of the technological things that we try and add on to ourselves as kind of prostheses that can extend our reach, uh, we are forced to, you know, the ghost, the ghost is so kind of like painfully uh, close all the time. Absolutely. We are, we are only ever our connections. Like, like that is the thing that, that, that makes us who we are. We are defined with and against the, the, the other aspects of humanity that we interface with. To, to use <clears throat> a kind of internet parlance about it all. And I think it is incredibly brave because like the thing that makes these ghosts so vengeful and so haunting and so, so damning is that we are vengeful, haunting and damning. You know, like, like it's not that they're a mirror reflecting us. It's that they are us. They're doing what we do. You know, we, 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 we seek these kind of exterminationist, violent, you know, reactionary in a more broad sense responses to the world around us rather than, and often because this is precluded, uh, rather than more compassionistic, or compassionistic, rather than more compassionate approaches to everything. Um, we recorded, we're recording this episode immediately after doing our episode on day shift. So, so I had to shift immediately from, from a, a place of, uh, let's, let's go with righteous anger to, to a place of humility and love. So I'm a little, I'm a little split between my own internalized others. Well, I mean, I, I was just thinking uh, about that Tarkovsky quote that you, you really love, I right? I love it. You know, <laughs> the purpose of, the purpose of art being to harrow the soul, um, and to, to prepare us for death, right? Mm-hmm. To turn us towards being able to do good. And there isn't there isn't a kind of better a better description really of what I think Pulse is able to do. Absolutely. Um Do you have any final thoughts before we start to wrap up? I think I think Pulse is an incredibly challenging movie because it would be really, really, really easy to have this discussion and to over focalize the things that have been aged out by how the internet has changed right the internet is still a thing of wires and circuit boards and physical technologies um but it's now made on our end on the user end on our experiential end to be this totally ephemeral thing it it floats through the air we have wafer thin devices you only need to plug things in to give them more electricity you know we're we're incredibly de-interlaced with the physical aspects of the internet but the thing in Pulse that I think is really challenging is that even though the technological landscape has been totally resurfaced in terms of our experientiality of it, the thing in and of itself, what it's attempting to accomplish, like the internet, hasn't, hasn't, like it's, it's just, it's just gotten more haunted. It, it's, you know, it looks nicer, it looks cleaner now, but like, we're, we're, we're like building higher and higher flood walls uh, against this raging torrent of the dead that's going to break through. And if we've learned anything from the human experience is that we can't do this game forever. This brinksmanship with, with, with our own shadows is a non-winnable game. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.